we're going to continue on talking about what it means to stand in faith. Amen. All of these messages are designed to build strength in you. The Holy Spirit is here to bring revelation to your heart of the Word of God, and it builds strength. You know, when you work out, you get stronger. Your body is designed, you know, you're, you're, all of a sudden it's going, hey, what, you know, something's going on. I need to, need to build some muscle tissue or muscle fiber here because I'm, I'm, I'm being tested. Well, here's the thing. As you grow strong spiritually, you gain this ability to tap into God's strength. You, you stop trying to, to do it on your own because you realize I'm not created to do anything by myself or for myself. I'm not created to walk through this life alone. Over and over in the word of God, God goes, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Why is that? You're not created to be alone. Do you see that? Your faith walk is never going to be alone. And God wants to build strength in you tonight as we learn how to be strong in the Lord. You know, actually, go over to Ephesians 6. That's where we're supposed to launch off again. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. We've been looking at this the last few weeks. These Wednesday night services are designed for you to grow strong in him so that you can lay hold of everything that God's provided for you. If, if healing, if you're facing some physical issues, man, this is healing school. You're going to learn how not only to lay hold of healing for yourself, but also to minister to other people and understand these principles. If your problem that you're facing, if this battle that you're facing is finances, you're going to learn how to walk in the victory that's already yours and to actually through faith, lay hold of what you need. Because God wants you to live a life with, with literally one focus of your heart, and that's to know him. And out of that focus will come everything you'll ever do in life. Everything. So in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 10, hallelujah, let me find it here. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And we've, we've talked about this. It literally means to be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. All the blessings of God are in Christ. Your strength is in Christ. What a, what a mistake of life to try to live your life on your own strength. Because here's the thing. You will face something bigger than you in life. Everybody always does. You'll, you'll face things bigger than you, and when you're a child of God, you get excited about that. Because when you walk by faith, you never compare what's in your life. You never compare it to you. You compare it to him, right? So it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in the power, the dunamis of his ability. I'm to be strong in God's power and in his ability. Well, how, how, how vast is his ability? How, how, how strong is he? You can't, you can't measure it. Isn't that good news? He's more than enough. 
And then it goes on and it talks about putting on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Right? God just wants you to stand. Notice, it literally says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Notice it doesn't say, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to fight. It just says that you might be able to stand. That you could stand face to face with him with a smile on your face at rest and go, I've already won, you're a loser. And you're not taking me out, and as a matter of fact, I'm no longer going to decrease, I'm no longer going to diminish because I know I'm not supposed to. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So every time the enemy comes to you and talks to you about what somebody else is doing to you, you're like, nope, I don't ever wrestle people. Right? I don't ever wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then this is what I want you to see. And having done all to stand, stand. So I really, I'm focusing this series on how to stand in faith. You know, we walk around as charismatic Christians. We, Yeah, I'm just standing on the word. What does that mean? We want to define that. What does it really mean to be strong in the Lord? What does it mean to stand in faith? Having done all to stand, stand. This is, this is really important. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. So let's talk about what does this mean to be strong in the Lord? What does it mean to stand? Right? Let's go to Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Daniel chapter 11, in verse 32. It gives us a wonderful picture of strength. Daniel chapter 11, in verse 32 at the end of this verse, I want to focus on the last half of this verse. But the people that do know their God. This means that you know God so intimately to where things are being conceived in you and birthed out of you. This is, this is an intimate, this is not a religious, let me go into the house of God and once a week and say hi to them and, you know, do my Hail Marys or whatever we do and, you know, a couple high fives and then, well, we're good. And notice we didn't have a time clock out there where you come in and you punch it and you could feel good about yourself. I've been to church. No, this is about knowing him. Knowing him. Knowing so intimately that you're meditating in the word day and night. You have it first place and now things are being conceived in you. What is that? He's giving you the desires of your heart. And now they're being birthed out of your life and you're seeing them in your life. They that know their God shall be strong, it says. Now this word strong means that you'll be strong and courageous enough to seize hold of things. Whatever God has for you to do in this earth, you're going to have to seize hold of it. 
It's not just going to fall off the tree because there's an enemy that does not want you to ever find out who you are, what you've been given, who God is in your life and what he'll do for you or what he's already done for you. Those that know their God will be strong. They'll be courageous enough to seize hold of it, to literally reach in with their faith into the impossible what everybody on the planet says there is no way this could ever happen and you seize hold of it. They'll be courageous enough to seize hold of things. They that know their God will be strong and do exploits. See, this is what you and I are called to do. We are not called to just live this normal life. We are called, this word exploits literally means to do things beyond your ability, beyond it. So where your ability ends, that's where you're going to live. Isn't that awesome? And it gets, it, see, here's the thing, it gets real vague. Your ability and his ability. Your will and his will. It gets when you're walking and you got your eyes on him, it all kind of blends together. Your life kind of gets, it's just in his life, it's just kind of the same. I'm one with him. Does that make sense? This is what it means to be strong in the Lord. They that, the people that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Now just go a little bit to the right. Go to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. Hallelujah. So here's Zechariah, you know, and... Uh, they're, they're at a point in time where they're, they're building the temple. Now look at, what this, look at what this says. Look at the word of God that came to Zerubbabel. When he literally, Zechariah the prophet is prophesying this, and it, by the inspiration of God he's writing this, and he says this in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, look at what he said to him, not by might, in the Hebrew language it would read, not by your own might, nor by power. This word power means the authority of others. So he, this word that's coming from God to Zerubbabel is going, Zerubbabel, not by your might, nor through the might or authority of others, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't that good news? This is talking about when they were building the temple. It's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by the authority of other people. It's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Are you the temple of God tonight? Guess what? You don't have to build the temple. It's not going to be built. Your life is not going to be built by your own ability and might. It's not going to be built because of who you know or the authority of other people. It's all going to be built. You are going to be and walk out God's plan for your life by his spirit. I'm, I'm telling you, that's such good news. That's good news. It says, 
Then he says this, Who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? So here's Zerubbabel. He's facing this massive mountain that he's, that's way bigger than him. And because of, it's not by his might or by the authority of others, but it, because it's by the Spirit of God, he's saying, Who are you, mountain, O great mountain before Zerubbabel, that thou become a plain? Or he, it says, thou shalt become a plain. See, because it's by the Spirit of God, oh, you might face a great mountain, but that mountain's going to become a plain. The walk of faith is not, it's not this thing that wears you out. It's a rest. The walk of faith is not an uphill journey. The walk of faith causes great mountains to become a plain. Look at what else it says. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shouting, crying, grace, grace unto it. What is grace? It's God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. It's literally his ability. So when we say, not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, see, I'm going to draw from the ability of God, where does that come from? It, see, God puts, God puts his word in our life. He, he literally, I can go to the throne of his grace at any time. The Holy Spirit is within me, and oh my gosh, all this stuff works together. So the grace of God, I am who I am by the grace of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is what this whole scripture is saying. So now let's pull it into the New Testament. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. How strong are you tonight? How strong is God? Because you're in Him. Look at the end of verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. It says this, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear. That means a reverence and an honor and a respect for God above everything else in your life. Work out your own salvation. Notice we don't work out anybody else's salvation. We could be really good at that. When we get in our flesh, we're really good at that, right? But we don't work out our own or others' salvation. We work out our own. We work it out with a reverence and honor and respect for God. Why do we do that? It says, for it is God which worketh in you. This word worketh literally means to energize. For it is God that is energizing you on the inside, Right? energizing you powerful powerful statement where's that coming from we're going to really get into that for it is god that works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure so when god energizes you he energizes you to want to do it and then also to do it isn't that good news see so many times if you feel depleted you're not working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You're trying to work out your own salvation 
with, with your one foot in the world and another foot in the word. So what happens is the foot that's in the world is always going to eat your lunch because it's going to tell you how far you fall short and, and how that it's, you just never measure up. You'll get distracted. I think distractions are what really stops people. Gosh, I have no time to get in the Word, you know, because I, I've got to be on Facebook. And I've got to, I've got to you know, respond to all these, all, all these different forms of social media. And all of a sudden, I get to the end of my day. Or at work, because of technology, I only have 14 meetings today. And I have to answer 150 emails. And so what happens is I get all distracted because I didn't prepare to stand that day. I jumped out of bed brushed my teeth, took a quick shower, grabbed a, a breakfast bar on the way to my out-of-control day, and then I wonder why I'm not in faith, right? So we got to be real careful here. But God wants to work in you. He wants to energize you to want to do his will and to do it. See, guys, you want to get here because his will for your life is rest to where you are ceasing from your own works and you are literally watching for his flow so that you can work out what he's working in. The Holy Spirit's the greatest time manager in the world. He knows. He actually expects you to not just be good at work, he expects you to be the best. And he'll teach you how to do it if you'll follow him. Right? In the Amplified Version... That, that little verse right there, the end of verse 12 and verse 13, the amplified version of this same thing says, not in your own strength. For it is God who's all the while at work within you, energizing, energizing, and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction. Do you know what worry is? Worry is a negative form of meditation. So the enemy doesn't mind if you meditate day and night. As a matter of fact, he will help you meditate day and night, and it's called worry. But no, no, we, we are to meditate. This is why the Bible says we meditate in the Word. Do you know most religions in the world, meditation is a big part of their religion but it's completely opposite from 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 christianity we don't meditate in our mind we meditate in our spirit and we meditate the word of god which is life and then now the the holy spirit's down on the inside and will open up the word and the light from the word of god the revelation will come out of our spirit and flood into our soulish realm flood into our mind and what it does is it renews our thinking so meditation is of the heart, but it affects the mind. You know, if you go into transcendental meditation, it's all about you go in and you sit in a lotus position and you say this mantra inside yourself over and over and over and over. Well, you've got to be careful with that. Because if the word of God is full of life, nothing else has life in it. And the battleground is the mind, so he loves... He loves you giving place to something else other than God in your mind. But see, meditation for a Christian, it will literally take him from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word. 
because the Word of God is designed to do the work. See, the Bible says when you know the truth, what makes you free? The truth makes you free. Do you make yourself free? Nope. I'm not trying to make myself free. What I want you to see is to be strong in God, to be strong in faith, you get to the point where you got to realize, and this is what we're talking about tonight, God's word is to do the work in your life. God's word is to go out and get that money that you need. It's God's word that's going to heal your body. Doesn't it say that? See, we have this thought that to be strong in faith, I have to do something. No, to be strong in faith, you need to stop doing something and let the word do it. This is huge. Because if you are trying to do it, you'll never be able to walk God's kind of life. Isn't that crazy? Because if you want to live, you got to die. If you want to be first, you got to be last. So how do you get to be first in your career? Always prefer other people. Oh, yeah, oh, go ahead. Go, you, go, you go ahead of me. What? What if they get the promotion? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not in charge of my promotion. He is. So I'm not worried about it. Go ahead, brother. Have your way. I'll just sit back here. And then all of a sudden, God just catapults you. He gives you one thought that changes everything. And people come up to you and go, wow, that was incredible. And you're like, yeah, it sure was. And they're like, man, you, should, you, you must be really brilliant. And you're like, well, I, I got to tell you my secret. It's, it's, I'm not the brilliant one. It, his name is the Holy Spirit. He's brilliant. This this God that lives on the inside of me and that guides me, he always makes sure that I'm in the right place at the right time, that I always have the right heart doing the right thing. What am I doing? I'm just loving others and letting them be go before me. See, you could promote yourself, but let God do it. Do you see how, see, to, to, to really... I could tell there's some revelation coming to some people. To really, to really walk by faith, if this is your life and your pursuit and, and this is all my hard work, this is how you, you, step number one, I'm making a decision. I'm not, I'm, I'm no longer trying to work. I'll work out what he works in. But I'm not, nobody's going to cause me to talk until the Holy Spirit prompts me on what to say. Nobody's going to prompt me to do anything until the Spirit of God leads me. Now what you'll find is that'll get really fun because he'll lead you. So all of a sudden, he'll start leading you a month earlier. And you're just resting and, and all of a sudden... All your peers are back here, but you're right here in a place that seems kind of strange. But then when things start moving, it'll be right here. He'll position you right where you need to be. Why does God do that? Well, he loves you, but he blesses you to establish his covenant on the earth. 
See, here's the thing, guys. We already won. But there are a, there's a multitude of people on this planet that are lost. And in a vapor, they're going to be lost forever if they don't ever meet Jesus. So God wants to magnify and lift you up. What is the blessing of Abraham? God says, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make, Leanne, I'm going to make your name great so that you can be a blessing. What's the greatest blessing you're ever going to be to anybody? Giving them a house? No, giving them Jesus. I'm telling you, when you start to... And then God says this, if you'll just seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, I'll add everything to you. I'll add things to you that you would have never dreamed for yourself. This is what we're talking about tonight. So let's go a little bit further with it. Let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, hallelujah. This is, we're talking about a different level of life. It's where you let it go and you let God do it. That's faith. All the other stuff is just mental ascent, trying to figure out what to do so that I could be blessed. You already are blessed. You're so blessed You've been blessed with more money than you'll ever be able to spend. You're blessed with more health that you'll ever be able to walk in. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every one of them, you already have it. And God gave you his faith so that you could pull all of that stuff into the earth. Our job is to bring heaven to earth so that the people of earth can go to heaven. That, that's, that's literally why we're here. So let's, let's look into it. In John 15, 4, it says, abide in me. That means to live in Jesus. And I in you. As the branch cannot. Did you notice? It said cannot. Bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Could you imagine I'm going to start a winery and I just take a branch and I throw it on the ground and I'm like, okay, I'm going to make all kinds of money. Man, this thing is going to produce fruit. People would be like, what? It's not connected to anything. We would think that's completely ridiculous, wouldn't we? But yet we get up and we think, I've got I've to do this and I've got to do, and I've got to overcome this. And, and I just, I have to do this. And, you know, okay, I've I, I got to start reading 15 chapters a day. And then I, I've got to pray four hours a day. And then, you know, I've got, oh, I'm, geez, I've got to confess about three hours a day. And, and by 8.30 in the morning, I'm totally defeated. And the Holy Spirit's over here going, I'm God. And I'm getting wore out listening to this. <laughs> right? You know? Instead, he's just like, just relax and enjoy the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That your sins have been blotted out and that you've been given a name above every name. And Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. And just relax and just live. Live. 
Abide in me. The Bible doesn't say that you might be able to bear something. You might be able to produce something. It says you cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. See, I spent a lot of years as a Christian trying, trying to bear fruit so he'd, he'd love me and be proud of me, and right? And it was all a big pride, selfishness, worthlessness lie of the enemy. When God looks at you right now, tonight, he sees you in Christ. He, he literally sees you as you've been recreated in Christ. He doesn't see you as this person who's blown it. He sees you as a world overcomer. When God speaks something, when he wills it and speaks it, it's done. So he says, if you're born of God, you overcome the world. That's constantly. So we need to believe that. And just give ourselves a break. And, and, and literally give ourselves a break to the point where I'm never ever again going to look at myself to determine who I am or what I am. I'm going to look at the Word of God and I'm going to keep my eyes on the Word because see, here's what happens. The Word does the work and as you peer into the Word of God, it literally pulls out of you who you are on the inside because your life just gets really masked by your flesh. But you could walk free from all that. It says here, I am the vine, verse 5, you are the branches. Isn't that hilarious the way God is? It's like, God, why did you have to say that? I mean, yeah, I got it. Verse 4, yeah, abide in me. I understand it. You're the vine, I'm the branch. But God had to say it again. Hey, in case you didn't get verse 4, guys, I am the vine. And you are the branches. Because see, sometimes you try to be the vine. I, how, how do you do it? Here's the way it looks sometimes. I am so worried about my children. I just, I just can't sleep at night because I'm worried about my children. They have got to make the right decision. Wait, wait, hold, time out. You're not the vine. So relax and give yourself a break. Isaiah 54 says, hey, because you're righteous, which guess why we're righteous? It's not because of us. Your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of your children. Do you see this? We're starting to get a little bit of a picture of this. I'm the vine and you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can't do very much. Do you have a translation that says that? No, it says without me, you can't do anything. See, when I used to read that, I'm like, man, come on, I could do it. And then I love when the Lord said, yeah, you could do some stuff, Tony, and I call it nothing. Great. Because I don't want to do anything without him, right? Let's go down to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask. This word ask means you shall call for you shall require or you shall make a demand for. You shall ask what you will. 
and it shall be done for you. So if I'm abiding in him and he's abiding in me, if, if there's symptoms in my body, I can go to my father and say, Father, there are lying symptoms in my body. There's a satanic attack against me that has no legal right. Oh, excuse me, Father, there's some symptoms in your body that have no legal right here. So right now, I'm calling for, I'm requiring, I'm making a demand for my healing. How do I say that? Oh, Father, I just believe I receive my healing. And I thank you, sir, that I'm healed. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for healing me 2,000 years ago. Now, body, you come in line with the word of God in Jesus' name. You work right. And oh, by the way, whatever sickness or disease, I'm speaking to you. I know you can hear me. Now you leave my body in Jesus' name. I bind you and I shut you down. You can't go any further and you have to leave. And so then a pain hits my body. Oh, Father, I just thank you that it is written, I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. Because Jesus, you were made a curse for me. I'm thankful that you bore my sickness. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you were made poor on that cross so that I might be made rich. I thank you that it is written, I live in an eternal jubilee, so therefore I call my debts paid. Right? This is how we do it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now here we go again, why we're on the earth. Verse 8, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. See, God wants you bearing fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, it's showing that you're not abiding in him. You're living for yourself. So just change it. Does that make sense? But now make sure, before you think you're not bearing fruit, remember, you're not to be led by the outside, you're to be led by the inside. Because I'm telling you, you could be doing a bunch of stuff right, but you're not seeing the fruit yet. Well, just relax. It takes some time. So just keep the word first. Keep walking in love. Keep walking by the faith of God. Keep being led by the Spirit. And pretty soon, do you know that we should know this stuff in the Midwest? I mean, when we lived in Iowa, all of a sudden, it's like, you can't see anything. You could almost watch the corn grow, and then pretty soon you live in a maze. And then all of a sudden, harvest time comes. And everywhere you go, no matter how late at night, you'll see people that are just out there. And in a matter of hardly any time at all, all this fruit is taken in. So, so make sure, if, you're, if you think you're not fruitful, make sure that's the Holy Spirit going, hey, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, all this stuff. As a matter of fact, I would say, don't be focused on how much fruit you're producing. Be focused on the fact that I'm abiding in the vine. Because the Bible says, if you abide in the vine then you're going to call for, make a demand for, and require some things of God that he's already given you, and you're going to bear much fruit. See, it's a byproduct. It's a byproduct of knowing him. 
See, those that know their God will be strong. They'll already be courageous. Why? Because they know him. They'll seize hold of things because they know him. They'll do things beyond their normal ability because they know him. It all flows from him. Look down at verse 16. I love this. I remember the first day. See, I remember reading this one time. Now, I grew up in a Baptist church, so I can't tell you how many times I've read the book of John. But I remember the day when I read this and God told me, he said, Tony, do you realize you couldn't have chosen me unless I already chose you? And I'm like, oh my goodness. God came looking for you and chose you. Man, he's all, everybody here tonight, he's already chosen you. See, right there, we could go home right now. You could, you could meditate on that, I don't know, your whole life. What, God, you chose me? Wow. Have you ever, have you ever like when you're in school, when they would choose teams, right? Didn't you feel sorry for the person that was chosen last, and it was almost like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll take you, Right? You know, the Lord blessed me with a lot of athletic ability. You know, I'd always choose that person first because I just wanted them to, to know, you know, because you feel sorry for them. But, but it says we love him. Why? Because he loved us. You know, it doesn't say that. It says we loved him because he first loved us. First, God chose me first. Amen. Then he came over to Rob, and he chose Rob first. God doesn't have any seconds. Do you see that? You're special. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring, go, that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. See, your fruit, you know, when you give in an offering or when you tithe here, do you know there's monies that have ever since, ever since January of 2007, there's monies that have been going into ministries in this city and into ministries all over the world that are leading people to Christ. You're going to have people come up to you from Kenya. And, and they're going to come up to you and they're going to be weeping and they're going to go, thank you so much. And you're going to go, who are you? The money that you sowed that was sent over to Kenya, somebody preached the gospel and I got saved. And as a matter of fact, my whole, here's my, I want you to meet my wife and my children and my grandchildren. Fruit that remains. You're going to have all these Chinese people coming up to you and they're just going to go, thank you for giving. Because I got a Bible and I found the call of God in my life and I pastored 40 churches. And millions of people got saved. And you're going to be like, see, fruit that remains. And it says here that whatsoever, it explains this, that whatsoever you shall ask, whatsoever you shall call for, make a demand for, or require of the Father in my name, in the name of Jesus, he may give it 
you. Faith. This is how we stand in faith. See, a person who is standing in faith refuses to take anything less than what God has provided for him, but refuses to let that faith, that faith battle that he's in or that faith situation, what he's believing for, he never lets that lose his focus on I love you because you first loved me. I love you so much and I trust you so much. I'm just, I'm just resting. I'm not going to try to do it. I'm going to let you do it. Your flesh, you will constantly have to keep your flesh under. Because your flesh will be like, no, we got to do something. No, it's done. Satan hates it when a believer laughs and goes, no, it's already done. You know, he'll talk to me all day about how this church will never become what it's supposed to become. And it makes me laugh because we already are. And all the multitudes, there are probably tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people worldwide that will be impacted by what's happening right here. And he can't stop it. We're the only ones that could stop it. I'm not going to stop it. Are you, are you want to stop it? I don't know. So Satan, yell, scream, waste your time all you want. We're just going to walk around going, it is written, resting, relaxing, enjoying life, not getting, not getting over, over accelerated about the wrong thing. No, I'm going to get very stirred about him. That's standing in faith. I love that. Faith is not a rush God, I believe in you. I believe I receive. And by the way, in case you haven't noticed, if you don't come through tonight, I'm in big trouble. That's not faith. Faith is not a rush. Faith is a rest. What I mean by that is I cease from my own works and I literally let God work. You want to see how much God loves you? Sit back. And let him work. Because your whole life, every situation of your whole life is to show you how much he loves you. So stop trying to do it. Let him do it. Has God ever done anything for you at all? Man, isn't it cool when something happens in your life and you're going, yeah, I, I, I couldn't have done that. I, I, I'm thinking of one situation in my life that the whole course of my life could be different except God showed up and just turned it. Wow. You know, you see believers walk around and they talk about their faith. Yeah, check out this car. I got that with my faith. Man, you're on slippery ground there. Right? I'm going to stick with Paul. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So run over, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 4, talking about rest. Is this helping you tonight? The Lord said he was going to, he, he was just impressing my, in my spirit today that he was just going to kind of open up and show us some things about faith. So I, I believe he's just showing us some things. Showing us a new level maybe, who knows. 
Hallelujah. Let's start in verse 9. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. If there is anything you need to know in 2018, living here with all this technology and everything, which is wonderful, but it will literally take your life into a whirlwind, you need to know that there remains a rest for the people of God. Oh, the world is full of turmoil, but there remains, there will always remain a rest in the midst of it for the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Well, God ceased from his works on the seventh day of creation. Right? We're to cease from our own works. And then it says this, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let us labor to enter rest. That's kind of interesting. That word labor literally means to make an effort to diligently study. Let me, let me labor to enter in that rest. What does that mean? I'm going to make an effort to diligently meditate in this word day and night so that I can enter into the rest. Why? Because see, until you cease from doing your own thing, you can't enter into it. But the only way to enter his rest is you have to labor to enter it. You have to labor to put this first place. Well, who are you fighting with, the devil? Oh, you'll fight your flesh. The devil's already defeated. Now, you'll take thoughts captive, right? See, the fight of faith is to rest. So when we're wrestling against these principalities and powers, they're trying to get us to not rest. They're trying to get you to work it out. Think about your life. I don't care what field it is, right? What will you hear about? Dr. Ruther, you're a doctor. What do you hear about at every hospital? Overworked, no family life, right? But, but you're not part of that because there remains a rest for the people of God. John, same thing at the med center, work a few hours, Right? But there remains a rest for the people of God. But you gotta take it. You gotta cease from your own works and you, military. Let the Holy Spirit teach you how to rest. I don't care what it is. Talk, we could go person to person to person. Ministry, same thing. No rest. And God wants you to rest. The fight of faith is to stay at rest. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Look at this. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. That word unbelief means rebellious disobedience. If you don't labor to enter into his rest, if your focus is not to work out what you're working in, you're going to end up, all roads lead, 
to where you're going to be saying, I can't have what God said he gave me. And God calls that rebellious disobedience. And what happens when you walk in that, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So how important is this rest thing? You want to stand in faith? you got to stand at rest. you got to refuse. I will not worry. I will not fret. I'm going to delight in the Lord. I'm, I'm going I'm to live my life as if it's already all worked out. And my flesh will be screaming. Don't you care? Guys, the response to that has to be, I refuse to. Because Paul said this, I am who I am by the grace of God. I'm not trying to be something in myself. I'm going to go much further because I'm, I'm doing it in faith. I'm doing it according to his ability. And I'm going to rest. And the world needs to see that. You will go further. You could study you can work 20 hours, or God, you can work in faith three hours and accomplish more. I'm telling you, this is, this is for the children of God. It says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick. That means it's full of life. And it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And you read that and you go, wait a minute, we're talking about rest. And now you're talking about the Word. Exactly. The Word is what does the work, not you. Satan doesn't want you to know that. Whatever you need, the word is to do it. When you're standing in faith, you're not supposed to stand on your own strength. You're to stand in the word and let the word fight your battle. Didn't we see that in Jesus when he was tempted? What did he start out by saying? Three words. It is written. Why? The word was to do the fighting, not him. The Word produces everything in your life. We have studied the parable of the sower till we're blue in the face, and we still miss it. Jesus even said, guys, if you don't get this parable, you won't understand any of them, because what is this parable? It's the Word that produces. It produces 30, 60, 100-fold, or it doesn't produce at all. But it's the Word, not me, not you. All of society is going to push you to become something, but for you to become something in God, you got to let the Word do it. That's what it means to stand in faith. And, and you're sitting here going, well, well, wait a minute, what am I, just a robot? Am I insignificant? I want to do something that matters. No, 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 that's how we're created. Do, do you notice that God the Father... Jesus and the Holy Spirit, do you know they submit to each other? They work together. The three who are one. Well, I got news for you guys. We're the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body. 
Could you imagine if your left hand just started wanting to be a rogue left hand and was in a bad mood and was mad at you? Bam, you're just slapping yourself in the face. No, it doesn't work like that, does it? You want everything working together. Do you notice how sickness and disease affects your body so it doesn't work right? See, this whole thing with sickness and disease is so anti-God, it's not even funny. So this is huge. I know I'm kind of making fun there, but I'm really not. I'm really preaching. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is huge. I'm, let's go to Mark chapter 4. We're going to close with this. I want you to see the parable of the sower real quick. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. Man, there's so much more we could talk about. We better come back next week. What do you guys think? So Mark chapter 4 and verse 14. It says, The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they've heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. They're, that, that word offended means they're entrapped, they're tripped up, and it causes them to distrust. What? The word. Right? See how that works? And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust or the desire of other things. See, this is where most Christians live. They're thorny ground. The cares of this world. They're just thinking all about the world. Think of how foolish that is, because all that is in the world... The lust and everything. All, all, well, it says all that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of, pride of life is not of the Father, and it's all passing away. But it says here, the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. I just got to work more. I, I need more of this, and I need running after money your whole life. And then look at the last one. The desire for other things. That's, that's really where most Christians are. I, I, can't, I can't get in the Word because I'm just too busy. And, you know, I, I just, I, I, I got to do this and I got to do that. And, 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 and God keeps getting bumped down and we wonder why we're, we're, we're not walking out these things. The desire for other things entering in. Look at what it chokes. It chokes the Word and the Word becomes unfruitful or barren. But these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, which means they continue in it. They keep meditating in it. They keep speaking it out of their mouth to get it in their heart. And then when it gets in abundance in their heart, it'll keep, they'll keep speaking it out of their mouth because it's in abundance in their heart. So it just comes out. Such as hear the word and receive it or continue in it and bring forth some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 the Word is what produces in your life. The Word is what produces. You want to be strong in faith? you got to cease from your own works, and you have to let the Word do it. So what is our part? 
How do we stay at rest? I've got to put the word first place. This is first place in my life. And I'm going to meditate in it day and night, and I'm going to let it transform my thinking, transform my life. I'm going to guard my thought life, but the more I get the word in me, the easier that is. Because what really guards your thought life? The word. Didn't it say the word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart? Not you. Isn't this good news? We're already free, guys. So we're going to learn how to stand in faith, and we'll do it together. This is why we do everything together. Amen.